welcome. Thank you for joining us here at AmazingLove.org. And, uh, you know, it's been a dream of mine to reach people all across the world with a message of Jesus and his love. And so whether you're joining us from near or far, so glad that you're here. And we'd love to hear what God is doing in your life. So if he's blessed you by this ministry, please email us at impactatamazinglove at gmail.com. If you'd like to support this ministry and make sermons like this possible every week ongoing, please go to amazinglove.org and go to our giving tab. But now may God bless you. May he guide you. May he speak into your life and direct you all through the power of his love. Thank you. Dear friends, I invite you to pray with me. We know what it is to hope. We know what it is to experience magic and wonder and awe. And I think all of these things point us to you, dear God. I pray that everyone here would experience the wonder and the awe of your story, of the birth of Jesus, that all of our hopes would be met in you tonight, that, that all of our joy would be possessed in you tonight. Lord, bless the preaching of your word and let your people hear this story. Call people far and near to know the wonder of your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Yes, my soul, find rest in God. My hope comes from him. Truly, he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress, I will not be shaken. My salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock, my refuge. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. And I wanted to wish you a very Merry Christmas on behalf of uh, myself and our family, on behalf of the family of Amazing Love, thank you for being here. And I wanted to start with a question asking you this, what's captured your heart this Christmas? I wonder how many of you are sitting there just waiting till this is over so you can go with your relatives and how family gatherings just capture our hearts. Because maybe there's some relatives who drove in or flew in and, and you can't just wait until eat some food and catch up and, and have some fun with your family. I wonder if there are any children here who are captivated by what's beneath ribbons and bows and inside of boxes. Those who are just wondering what is in store. I've considered some other people who are captivated by something this Christmas. I know a lot of people captivated by this. Don't know if you've seen it. I plan to see it on Monday. Is it any good? Yes. All right. Good to hear. Or maybe there's some uh, sports fans in the building. It's a big baseball town. Captivated by uh, this. Yeah, Jason Hayward. And I know it's Sox country, so okay, Todd Frazier. And it's an important question, what has captivated your heart. It really is. Because the reality is, whatever has captured your heart will play out in your life. Whatever's in here will inspire you to do stuff and say stuff, and, and that's what we see with those Star Wars fans, right? I, I saw a picture of these guys downtown Chicago. Why would you dress like that with lightsabers and wait until the premiere? Because they love Star Wars, that's why. Or I consider this Cubs fan, or sorry, these guys first, Yoda, Jabba. 
or a Cubs fan who is inspired to do this. <laughs> Finally, I got to the glitter beard. And we know what it is when our hearts are captivated and, and when you see the, 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 the glistening of the eyes over the presents and we hear them talking, when are we going to open presents? We, we know what's in their hearts. Solomon said that whatever's in our hearts is going to come out. He used these words to say that. He said, above all else, guard your heart, which is what we're going to talk about tonight on Christmas. Guard your heart because you need to know that everything, your thoughts, your actions, everything, your livelihood will flow from what's inside your heart. And maybe it's not a what that fills your heart, but a who. Let's talk a little about who's and who's that are available. One thing that we know in front of God and his perspective is that we are all equally valued and equally appreciated. When God looks down, I want you to know he sent his son for you. Not just a segment of people, not just some holy or good people. He sent him for everyone. You are equally valued and appreciated by God. This baby is for you, whether it's your first time hearing it or not. So we're equal in the eyes of our Heavenly Father. But have you noticed that there are differentiations of people? If you have kids who are dating, you need to know that. Kids who are dating, you need to know that. There was a wise King Solomon who split up people in different categories. And he said, some people, they're just plain evil. And so if an evil person is holding your heart or teen, if you're dating an evil person, stop it. Get away. You can love and you can forgive an evil person, but stay away because if they have your heart, it's dangerous. Solomon said there's foolish people. Foolish people who are characterized by irresponsibility, by carelessness. And if you give a foolish person your heart, it is foolish in kind because you don't know what they're going to do with it. But then Solomon said there are good and there are wise people. These are the people you want to date. These are the people you want to have as friends and pick as friends because these good and wise people know how to hold your heart and you are safe there. But better than a what or a who this Christmas of capturing your heart, better than any of those options is if the newborn king would capture your heart. And that's really what I came to talk to you about. That we have the option to put our hearts in his hands in the hands of the one who was born, in the hands of the Savior, and let Him hold us and captivate our hearts. That's, again, our series theme. We're talking about pouring out our hearts. And again, a special welcome. If you don't consider yourself a Christian, welcome. If this is your first time back in church, welcome. You're invited today to, to put your heart in the hands of the newborn King. And this is what I have found. That when you do that, your heart has never been more secure. And when you do that, what will flow out of your life will be good. We're going to talk about that in the context of Psalm 62. I invite you to turn there with me now. Psalm 62 written by King David. And uh, words that we heard in the, the video already, but I'm going to read again. It says, Yes, my soul, find rest in God. My hope comes from Him. Truly He is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. My salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock my refuge. Trust in Him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to Him, for God is our refuge. These are the words we want to talk about. I want to know how many of you have sent a package through the post office, UPS, FedEx, 
It's amazing, I was reading that UPS is going to send out 630 million packages from Thanksgiving till Christmas. It's a lot. Feel for those people. And if you've ever sent a package, maybe you know what it is to ask the question this. To ask, are they going to get it in time? Because you know you don't want to come to the family gathering. You know if you're an uncle or an aunt, you don't want to be you know, told by a brother or sister, you know, Uncle Dustin, he doesn't really truly love you. Uh, you know, he didn't get the package here, so there's evidence, right? And if you've ever worried about the package getting there in time, maybe you've gone further and asked this, are they going to get it at all? Let me tell you a story. One time I sent the biggest package I ever sent. Set myself for failure here. And I had everything in it. Beautiful presents. I had some extras in there and I was sending it to Florida. I sent it three weeks in advance. I call them three weeks out. Did you get the package? No, you didn't get the package. Call them two weeks out. Did you get the package? Still didn't get it. One week out. Do you see where this is going? Did you get the package? Christmas Eve. I didn't call them. I just asked them after Christmas. Did they get the package? They didn't get the package. And here I am, poor Uncle Dustin, who must not really love his family because the package didn't come on time. And what it made me think about ever sending a package again was this question, could I rely on the package carriers? Could I rely on the postal service to ever send a package again? I lost some trust. I tell you that story because Christmas is about a package that was promised and came right on time. God promised that he would send something to us, and it came this night as we celebrate. This package was promised to a man named Adam and a woman named Eve. When they brought sin into the world, when they messed up everything, God said, I'm going to send a deliverer, someone to clean up the mess. This promise was carried to a man named Abraham, who was promised all nations would be blessed through his family line. Promise carried to David, who was told, you will have a king that will reign forever on the throne. And then we heard from Isaiah, there will be a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, an everlasting father, a prince of peace that is coming, and I'm here to tell you he came. I'm here to tell you he delivered on his word. And you know what we call someone who says something and then does does it? Someone who delivers on his word, they're called trustworthy. Could you say trustworthy? Trustworthy. And we're invited right now to put our trust into the hands of the newborn king. And that's exactly what David told us to do. Look at verse 8. He said, trust in him at all times. Because David had learned God makes good on his word. Nothing's going to stop God from doing as he said. The first reason the newborn king can hold your heart, because he's trustworthy. It reminds me of a parent who will do anything to get what's on the, the toy list for the child. And maybe you were a parent who went to seven or eight different stores because you were going to get that present. Or maybe you stayed up late on Black Friday or online to get that present. It reminds me of a really bad 90s movie. It's a 90s movie called Jingle All the Way. And Arnold would do anything to get Turbo Man. It's a really bad movie. But he would move everyone and he would fight people so that the boy would have Turbo Man on Christmas. Better than Arnold and stronger is God Almighty who moves heaven and earth so that those who are waiting on the promise, so those who are waiting on the package, have it in their hands at Christmas. Christ is yours this Christmas. He came for you. We have the full revelation of what angels long to look into, of where this baby would be born and who he would be and the work that he'd done. We have this and know it full well. He delivers. 
And so God's the best option to hold our hearts this Christmas. And I need to consider with you the other options that are out there. First, there are people. We're sometimes tempted to give our primary hearts to people. And when that happens, we can sing a song that is made famous by a different king. Do you know this king? This king sang a song called Blue Christmas. Have you heard it? Let's consider the words. I'll have a blue Christmas without you. I'll be so blue thinking about you. And what it represents is that people, man, they can hurt us and fail us, can't they? Some of you might be going to Christmas gatherings and you're kind of feeling awkwardness already because you're going to see someone who really hurts you, who really dropped the ball, and you don't really know what to say. Some of you are, are dealing with big fallouts that you're not even seeing the same group of people because of how things went in the past and, and things really haven't reconciled. Some of you are dismissing people who are no longer on earth. People who cannot live forever and those people are dear in your hearts and so there's a bit of blueness to your Christmas. This is what happens when people carry the primary seed of our hearts. And Solomon had this to say about people. Inspired by the Holy Spirit, he let us know something about people. He said, many claim to have unfailing love. Many want to be there for you. And kids, you need to know parents want to be there for you, but they can't always. They drop the ball, right? And that's true for everyone. Even the best person is not set up to hold our hearts. They cannot. And we will always have a blue, per blue Christmas if a person is holding the primary seat of our hearts. What's another thing that could hold our hearts? It's things, isn't it? Toys. Let's talk a little bit about toys. I remember being a young kid and we were playing with matchbox cars. And I was so excited. I got this uh, box thing and, and it would shoot out the matchbox car. And, and you just press it and like whoosh, right? And so we open up the box and, and we put the matchbox car in and we press the button. And we press the button. And I kicked the toy. And nothing. You know how disheartening it is when your biggest gift is broken? It's awful. I remember one time being so obsessed with this movie called Dick Tracy that I wanted to have a Dick Tracy watch. You know, before the Apple Watch was a Dick Tracy watch because he would talk into it. And I told my grandma from the Sears catalog, some of you know what I'm talking about, from the Sears catalog, I want the Dick Tracy watch. You better get me that Dick Tracy watch. Well, this thing was so much a piece of junk, I didn't even get to see it. My grandma sent it back before I could even play with it. She determined it was dead on arrival. Stuff will fail us, won't they? Kids, are you even playing with the toys you got seven years ago, two years ago, one year ago? Big kids. We're not any less tempted by stuff, are we? The list just got bigger, didn't it? The houses, and the cars, and the vacations, and money. God says something about money to warn us. All whose hearts might be tied by money. Paul said this. He said, command those who are rich in this present world. This is us. This is all of us in America historically. Not to be arrogant and not to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. It breaks. We can't rely on it. But to put their hope in God. 
But dear friends, maybe you came in here and you wrestle with the same temptations I wrestle with. And at one point or another, you did put all your hope into a person. Or at one point or another, you did put too much hope into money, which is uncertain. And today is the day to say, God, I want to be done with that. Today is the day to run from that and to repent of that. That's what we call running away from sin, repenting and turning to God. Because the very first rule he gave Christians, the very first command he gave was to love him above all things. You remember the first commandment? Some of you grew up in catechism and there was a definition that we should fear, love, and trust in God above all things. So if this isn't happening right now, I invite you again to repent and say, God, change my heart. Change it once for all. Let this be the Christmas that you did your heaviest work on my heart and you loosened my grip from a person and you loosened my grip from money because it was so blue that way. And the reality is we have good news. God did come to us at Christmas because we weren't perfect. He came to us to forgive our sins. But the reality is, it's not going to be a Merry Christmas ever if we don't come to Him fueled by the Holy Spirit. And so I invite you to come to Him empowered by the Gospel. Come to Him and respond and say, He is my God. He is my Lord. He is the one who can hold my heart forever for I have seen Him for who He is. The one who knows how to love me completely the one I can finally trust with my heart. That's your invitation tonight, my friends. But there are more reasons why God should hold your heart. To talk about this, I want to talk a little bit about coldness. Remember there was a day last week where I brought out my winter coat. Glad it was just a day. I am liking the winter we're having right now. And I'll be honest, I'm not a fan of cold. I'm, I'm really not. It doesn't do it. I don't mind not having a white Christmas even because I'm warm. This is great. And while I personally don't like the cold, I do like what cold presents to me. Because when it's cold, maybe you know the goodness of putting on those fuzzy socks. Maybe you know the goodness of putting on a hoodie and it's still fuzzy inside because you didn't wash it and dry it too much. You know what I'm talking about. And maybe you know the goodness of sitting in front of one of these. And maybe you got some hot chocolate. And maybe you're doing snuggle sandwiches with someone you love. And, and, and while I don't like being cold, I do like getting warm. You know what I'm saying? One of the reasons the newborn king should hold your heart is this. Because he is a warmth in a cold world. And I want to tell you about coldness this Christmas. It was cold for Mary this first Christmas when you consider the coldness of the adversity she was facing. Mary at this time was an unwet mother who was pregnant. And no one believed that she was pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Her own engaged fiancé was about to divorce her. Was about to call it off. Then consider their travel conditions. They didn't have a plane. They didn't have an SUV. They didn't even have Spirit Airlines. They had a camel to go those miles to, to Bethlehem. And when they got there, the reservation didn't come through. Joseph probably used hot wire, and they didn't even give him like the second classroom. They gave him nothing. They lost it. And Joseph gets there, and all they have is a barn. They don't have AC. They have nothing. It's cold for Mary. And then she's pregnant. I didn't even get to that yet. 
I've heard that labor is hard. I'm assuming that's true. She doesn't have a midwife. She doesn't have running water. There's not a nurse she can call for or any meds to help her with. There's no epidural, my friends. It's cold for Mary as she gives birth this first Christmas. And yet God is there, isn't he? And yet God will be her warmth this Christmas, won't he? He'll protect her. It was cold for David when he wrote this psalm. David was always on the run from people who wanted to kill him. You might have heard a guy named Goliath. That's where we meet David. Big dude wants to kill him. Then there's a father-in-law named Saul. He wants to kill him. Then he's a warrior king fighting Philistines who want to kill him. Then his own son named Absalom wants to kill him. This is a bad theme. It's cold for David. Break it down. How cold is it for you? I wonder the adversity that you walked in with today. Man, sometimes it's a hard point in the year, and so some might be just emotionally all tore up because of relationships that aren't so good, because of the stressors of life, because of the anxiety, and you just don't know what to do. It's cold. Some of you might have the joy of Christmas, but honestly, you don't know how the finances are going to work. Don't know how the credit card's going to get paid or the mortgage. Don't know where you're going to live next year. Some of you face physical ailments, chronic illnesses, even a cold or a flu. I don't know what it is that you walked in with, but I know the experience of it all is that it gets cold sometimes, doesn't it? How awesome to know we have warmth. How awesome to know God tells us today, I'll be your fireplace. I'll support you. That's what David found when he wrote in verse 6. In verse 6, he said, not God is my fireplace, but God is my fortress. My fortress. I will not be shaken. And David was coming through that adversity. He didn't die from Goliath's hand or from his son or from Saul or anyone else. And Mary, Mary would be safe. Yes, she had escaped to Egypt, but Mary would be safe. And what I've experienced is, yes, the world can be cold, but then God can be the warmest. That's what I've seen. It's miraculous how, how God can give such peace when it's so cold, how God can give such warmth when it's so tough for people. This is the God I know. And this is the God you're invited to hold your heart. Give me your heart, he says. I'll be warmth when it's cold. but there's more reasons to entrust him with our heart. Do you know what it is to try to prove your worth to people? I'll talk a little about gift giving. There is a little bit of awkwardness in gift giving. Can we be honest? I'm the type of person when I open a gift, I hope no one's looking. Because what if I honestly don't like it and someone reads my body language? What if I, and, and I get kind of freaked out because are like expert body language picker-uppers. And I, I get in trouble without even saying anything. You know what I'm talking about? And because we know what they're asking, sometimes they're asking as you open that present, and this is the pressure that I'm feeling, do they like it? Do they like it? Right? You've, have, you've asked it. And sometimes it actually goes beyond do you like it. And sometimes you're really concerned, not do they like it, but do they like me? 
You know what I'm saying? Because you see in yourself this present. You see in yourself, if they don't like this, maybe they don't like me, and maybe it's just done, right? So there's awkwardness. And we try to prove ourselves with gifts. And, and maybe there's a, a, a child who opens a gift and, and I thought I was good, but here I got underwear. And now I don't know if I proved if I was good or if I proved, you know, I have worth. Tried to prove my worth to my wife a couple days ago. It was her birthday. So I did my very best. We ate some prime rib. Proved my worth through prime rib. Like it. And I talk about this because this is our default. When it comes to God, so often we're trying to prove our worth. Some of you are saying here tonight, hey, my family invited me and I'm finally in church, God. I must be worthy. Some of you Christians have served like mad over Christmas. And you gave to the needy. And you were praying for people. And you volunteered at church. And you kept, you know, saying Merry Christmas when everyone else was saying Happy Holidays. You even said Jesus is the reason for the season. And you think, man, God, you must be pleased with me. I have proved my worth. But the story of Christmas is that proving our worth didn't work. If it would have worked, he wouldn't have had to come. If we could have proved our worth, that Son of God could have stayed in heaven and just observed as we proved and made everything right on our own. But the Son had to come because we failed. The Son had to come because we aren't worthy in the sight of God. We are sinners in the sight of God who cannot be rescued if he doesn't come. And so this Jesus comes for you. And he's born in Bethlehem. And he wraps himself in flesh and he's made every bit alike us except for one thing. He did prove his worth. Because he never sinned. And this child who is so cute and tender today, that baby Jesus, he's born to die. And he grows to be a man and at the pinnacle, the zenith of his age, he bears a cross for us. That's an amazing flame. <laughs> anyone have a water bottle? I think water would probably be the best. Not water? We did pray for magic. <laughs> you know what I've experienced? The devil tries to distract at the most inopportune moments. Does anyone know what I was just talking about? <laughs> I'm serious. I've been in church all my life. The sound system doesn't work exactly when it needs to work because we're going to sing about Jesus. You know what we were talking about? 
We're talking about the cross. You can't have Christmas without a cross. You can't have salvation until the child becomes a man and bears our sins. And this is the epicenter of our faith. And some flame won't distract us from that. He is the flame burning in our hearts. He is the one who would bear a cross so we could be rescued. He is the one that proved our worth to a heavenly Father so we didn't have to be worried about true flames somewhere else. Dear friends, He's born. He's the magic. I know of no other better option than for Him to hold your heart. It's the safest. And what would we find if He holds our hearts? What would the end result be for all of this? If God is truly in our hearts, does this mean we're going to have like Jesus glitter beards? If God is in our hearts, does this mean we'll walk around as like not live nativity with Joseph and Mary, you know, the Star Wars fans dressed up? No, God says, I got something better. If you're in my, if I got your heart, look what I'm going to give you. It's where it all started, verse 5. Verse 5 says, look at this. Yes, my soul, find, what are we going to find? Rest. How many of you want rest tonight? I sure do. How many of you want peace in the midst of family madness and financial madness? God says, I'll be that rest. Because you walk with me, nothing can get you. Not the fires of hell, not the fires of this earth, no, nothing like that. You walk with me, I'll be your protection. He gives you rest. That's why we celebrate his birth. So may he do that. May he give you peace. May you know that everything is sorted out. And may you now give him your heart and know that your heart is secure. Amen. Please stand.